Hi there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you for episode 208. The last couple episodes I've been doing, I'm here with Keith. Um, Keith, what? Tell, um, introduce yourself. What's your name? My name is Keith. You want to say your last name? If you don't want to say no. your last, you don't want to say your last no. name. No, we'll keep. On the okay, side. people know who you are because you're a mechanic here in Key Largo. Yes, I do. Uh, Keith is one of my uh, regular customers that comes in to uh, the catch in Key Largo. Um, and it's real. It's right next. Well, he's a mechanic here. I don't want to say give it away. He's right next to work and stuff like that. You know, people are going to know you in town. It's not going to be a big deal. They're not going to look for you. Uh, something like he works at uh, the garage down the street from me. Um, and uh, we met how long ago? Was that when I first started? Like three years ago? Yep, about three years. Three years. Yep. And we're, we're um, you're you're a Florida boy, right? Well, I was raised down here. Yes. Okay. Okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, see, is this going to be like, I'm going to talk about that thing we talk about your ex-girlfriend. We're not going to talk about it right now. We'll yeah. talk about it later on. But you have interesting catchphrases right there. So now, I said you're a Florida boy, and you said, but I was raised down here. What do you consider yourself? Florida. I've been here since I was uh, six months old. Oh, okay. I thought you had an interesting story there for a second. Nah. because You qualified the statement that you're, uh, maybe I made, I'm making a bit more of it than it really is. Keith, so you grew up here. Where'd you grow up? In, in Key Largo. In Key Largo? You went to Key Largo Elementary? You went to Coral I went Shores? went to Key Largo, and then yeah. I went to Plantation Key, yeah. and then to Coral Shores. So your your family was from here, like your parents? No. Okay. My, my family's from Illinois. Okay, and they moved down, they moved down here when, when you... When I was young. Okay. So uh, they moved down here. What did, what did your parents do? Uh, my, my dad was a... Uh, Worked at Ocean Reef yeah. as maintenance, uh-huh. and my mom was a uh, housekeeper at Ocean Reef. Okay, okay. So uh, Ocean Reef is a gated community in technically in Key Largo, but it's almost like it's in and of itself has an extra territorial government of its own. The the uh, the Ocean Reef uh, uh, whatever association, Orca. Uh, they run their own system. They have their own police force or uh, fire department. They're still part of the county, but they're not totally part of the county. In order to get in to Ocean Reef, you have to get – it's a gated community, so you have to go through a gate. And the funny thing about that, and get back to it – we'll get back to your parents originally. I, I do say a, lo- a lot of arrests that are made in Key Largo are made at the gate of Ocean Reef when there are contractors or people coming into work and they don't realize that when they turn over their ID that there's going to be, uh, they're just going to, they put it in a database and they check and they say, oh, wait here for a minute. And all of a sudden the cops show up and they go and arrest them for an out-of-state warrant. So many times I see that. But that's not your case for your family stuff. So your family worked up there. They knew, they, they knew each other up in Illinois or they met down here? No, they were married in Chicago. Oh, Chicago? Oh, they're from the big city, huh? Yeah. Okay, so I'm a, since you grew up down here, you, you kind of know there's not much of an accent down here. No. No, it's just like you, you sound like you could be from Chicago. Well, just like that's I, I could be born. from Philadelphia. No, but I mean, or the people down here, I guess they're because they're a hodgepodge of different people. They got that kind of middle American accent down here in the Keys. You don't have a lot of, uh, you, you have, a lot of people that have been here for generations, I mean, you have some people from here for generations, and then a lion's share of came in 
post World War II and, you know, just kicked it. I guess it really picked up in the, in the sixties and seventies when your folks came in. Your folks came in in the late sixties? Early sixties. Early sixties. Oh. So, They've been coming here for a long time before I was born. Oh, okay. But so, they moved down here like in 68. Yeah. So you grew up down here. Did you, um, did you travel up? Did you have, I mean, we're so close, uh, to Miami. You had, uh, access to the big city. But did you ever, when you were young, were you taken back up when you were, you know, able to be able to be more coherent of your surroundings? Go up to Chicago and see the big city, real big city? I visited about three times. Yeah. Okay. When you were young? Uh, when I was growing up. Yeah? yeah. Old, a little bit older, my teens. Yeah. But, okay, so you're a small town guy right now, right? Yeah. Okay. And then you went to uh, spend all your time in school and all that stuff, and then you were in the Army, right? Yep. How long you were in the Army? Uh, Eleven years. Eleven years. Did you? Were you a mechanic in the army? Was that one of your? That was one of my MOSs. Yeah. Oh, great, great. Oh, eleven years. That's great, man. So, and then you were all over, huh? Yeah. Were you, uh, did we just talk about this before? Yes, were you we in did. in Korea? No. Were you in the Far East? No. No. Were you mainly like? I, I went to. Uh, I've been to Panama. Yeah. Been to Puerto Rico. Louisiana, Georgia. Okay. Okay. So you you've been around a little bit, yeah. And uh, you came uh, you when you finished up, you came back here. Said, uh, well, I was in the reserves mostly. Uh huh. Oh, so you were working here as a mechanic, as a mechanic, and then going in the out National Guard. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Dude, what years were you in? I went in in eighty three. Eighty three. Oh, were you uh, down in Panama during the? Um, when they made that little trip into... Uh, no, I didn't get to go uh, there. Yeah, no. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was 1988, 89, something like mm-hmm. that, a couple of years before uh, the first Persian Right, Ball. and they didn't send the National Guard over there. So. Yeah, yeah. So you were moving all around. So you did get even more exposure in your, uh, when you graduated high school and you were in the Army National Guard. You moved all around and stuff like that. So, But people in the Keys have a unique perspective you don't have one of the you don't seem to have that attitude that people have about the, you know the visitors you know they say oh i mean I, I work with some people that are servers and shit like that and they got stickers on their car and says you know you know pick up you know st- you know pick up the speed not everyone's down here is on vacation and i'm like you your income is dependent on the people you're insulting or the people you're suggesting they're slow. And there are people that drive down the road and they're not exactly sure where they're going. They got to make a right and left turn. But you work on their cars, not just, I mean, most of it is probably the people that live here, but then you have people that do drive down here. And, and we have some people, you know, that I depend on because when they're down here, they, their car breaks, they have to have it fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't get back home. Yep. So that's part of my livelihood. Mm-hmm. And we had this discussion. You're one of the few people that are in the uh and uh, what we're i just wanted to talk about in the beginning about your livelihood and, and what you do and your you know your and then then we could get into a general conversation but you're one of the few mechanics i've met uh, moving right along that sees the future with the electric vehicles and i mean that's pretty much of an open mind you're the same age as i am a lot of people would be um reluctant to endorse that technology because it signals 
a transition for their uh, industry. And you embraced it. You and your the, um, the the your the person. I don't want to call him that. Your boss, the owner, the owner. You embrace that, and you see the change in the future. You're preparing for it. You've been uh, to school for it, and and you're you're ready to you know you know learning about the battery packs and things like that. Do you hear about them? So so if you think about it, there's going to be a great disruption in the years to come. Maybe not right now. But look what happened this last, well, you know, a week and a half ago with in Saudi Arabia. A couple drones came in, and they had billions of dollars worth of air defense thing, and they flew in. They probably flew in a couple million dollars worth of drones and, and destroyed uh, a good part of their oil production capability. And that means we're so functional. with When it comes to uh, electricity, you could blow up a power grid up, but if people get more, let's say they get more savvy with doing their own generation, using wind, solar, and things like that, electric vehicles and electric uh, houses, they, they're almost, you're becoming self-sustaining. You're not dependent on that, that. The chain gets a lot stronger, meaning you get the power, you got the, the power company supplying it, and you have your own supply too. So with, uh, you, you embrace that. And you see it in the future. But, I mean, there's a lot of people, that parts companies, they got to hate that. Right? Well, in my business, my yeah. industry, yeah. a lot of people get scared of new things. You know, older people like myself, yeah. they don't want to learn. They get lazy. Much like it did with the um, tech, uh, technological revolution when it came to computers. A lot of people, they want to do that. And they, they're re reluctant to use social media. And things like that. I see people that have um, small companies. And their social media is just sitting there. Just sitting there. And it's free. I mean, imagine if you were allowed to put your own articles in the newspaper without paying them. And the only thing that stops people from reading is how exciting the tag you can put in to bring them in. Like I do it for the restaurant. I do that Martini Mondays. And you've seen what... Are you, have yeah. you been in there? Yeah, I've been you in there. You see what the happens on Martini Mondays. It's, all, it's been uh, about a month, uh, maybe uh, five weeks, and uh, it is, it's killing me because <laughs> <laughs> I, I for about the first hour and ten minutes, I'm just cranking out martinis, martinis, martinis. But that, we solely, we don't do any advertising in the newspaper anymore because social media, especially the people you want to reach, is, uh, I mean, you could get, a, if, you, if you're going to run, like, newspapers, if you want to run an uh, ad for, like, an early bird special for senior citizens, the newspaper is still the good way to go. But you'd be surprised how many senior citizens are on social media now. So, you know, you could probably get 50% of them. There's a lot of, you know, the, the old horror line was, hey, mom's on Facebook. You know, but nowadays it is taken as a, an acceptance, just like when cell phones first came out. Remember, you started seeing them back in, uh, um, you saw the big bag phones in the 80s. The Motorola's. Yeah, the big ones. And then you started hearing, trying to figure out technologies like they're selling uh, cell um, frequencies. They were selling, they were auctioning off. The FCC was auctioning off cell frequencies. Because it were public airways, 
and they didn't want anybody to get one monopoly, one company to get it. So they figured they offered for auction, but then companies started buying them up anyway. So uh, I told a little story uh, weeks ago, uh, 2001, my wife at the time, my ex-wife now, she was um, talking to AT&T about how crappy their long business plan is. And she goes, well, and, and she goes, well, you're going to the person on the phone said, what are you going to do? You're going to have to keep us. You're going to have to keep us. And she goes, no, I don't. And she goes, and the person on the line goes, what are you going to use your cell phone? And you know what? In 2002, we get digital. We didn't have any kids. They said, you know, you need the emergency line. They say, at least you need the emergency line. And then they start, you know, they started providing a $12 service. It's such, it's, it's, it's such like a, a fuck you statement. What are you going to do without us? And then someone says, well, you know what? Someone's going to come and say it. And then whenever you get a monopoly, when you create a monopoly, I think this is, this is what happened with fossil fuel industry and stuff like that. When you create a mono, uh, monopoly, you're actively asking people to say, I dare you to try to disrupt this. So you have mechanics, you got breakware. I mean, because, I mean, I guess there's less, um, the brakes will always be kind of a thing they're going to have to do for electric cars. But God, they, it's less because of the regenerative braking systems they have, right? Yeah, well, they use the electric motors to slow the engines down. Yeah, and, and the wheels, too. Well, they, they use a stator to yeah. slow down. And you can make it aggressive or you can make it more passive. But it's, it's, it's taking that energy that you have from the braking, the physics. You think you, know, you have the momentum going, you take it, and you're transferring back a certain segment of it. And that's getting even more efficient. So in a city, uh, ideally, driving on the highway, if it works right, driving on the highway versus city will be a slight decrease because you always lose a little because there's no perpetual motion, but you're recovering more of that stopping thing and you'll be able to, let's say if you can even recover 75% of the power braking when you had that, you know, just, it's just yeah. the way it is when you're driving down the road and you're driving in a machine, the uh, electric motor, what, 85% efficient? At least, yeah. 85%, maybe 92%. Oh, yeah, it could be 92%. Yeah. And, but the, Internal combustion motor is below 35? Yeah, I'd say about 25. 20, okay, because a lot of that's heat, exhaust, right. and all exactly. that stuff goes. And emissions. And emissions. But I didn't know a lot of people will go and say, well, you're not, um, for, for the motor itself, it's efficient, but it depends on where you get the energy from the emissions that you generate. So if you're using a coal fire plant, it's generating emissions too. Oh, use cleaner, yeah. Well, I mean, it, the plan is, yeah. So you got to factor that in because, but when you're using petroleum, it's not just the car that you're factoring an internal combustion engine. The pollutants that come off there and the inefficiencies there. It's the extraction and refinement of the fuel that creates. It also has a footprint, and people never go back into that. If you want to go in deep and say, hey, there's an energy, there's a footprint you're creating by developing energy for an electric car, well, then you, you better include the footprint for the extraction and the uh, refinement and delivery of the fuel because you got to use a diesel truck. Well, see, there's other fuels out there. You, yeah. could, you could run an engine on propane. 
You can run it on uh, uh, the grease we use in our fryers. Yeah, well, they, they make diesel like fuel diesel, for that. Yeah, biodiesel. Biodiesel. Yeah, you have ethanol. You have uh, the corn derived one. All the uh, that's bio. Is that biodiesel or that's go, go no. ethanol? Ethanol. Ethanol. Uh, and the most ironic thing someday will be if there's going to be a tipping point where trucks are going to start making trucks with replaceable packs uh, electric, as you can get longer and longer life. Supposedly they're going to have in, in, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if next year or a year after there'd be five and then seven, 800 mile battery packs. Next year they're supposed to introduce Tesla's uh, talking about introducing the million mile battery pack, which I'm sure when it's first introduced, just like the big screen televisions, that'll be a premium, right? Yeah, remember when the big screen came out, the big old box? Yeah, the big old box. It looked like a puppet. It looked like a Punch and Judy puppet thing. Yeah. Like you put someone inside that, and it was uh, it weighed a couple hundred pounds. Yep. The production, and it was kind of a crappy picture. It was a big picture, but it was kind of a crappy, crappy picture considered the solid-state screens that were getting up to, like, 38. Well, the, the first ones were the projectors. Yeah, the projectors. That had the, the projectors in the back. They weren't about the worst. Yeah, yeah. Fuzzy around the edges and shit like that. And then yeah. you had to have your room dark and, and shit like that. And then you had the big box. All right. And then they started getting them a little thinner. A little thinner, and then all of a sudden the explosion, flat screen. And the first couple of flat screens came out. You know, the picture was good, but it could hang on a wall. And it just changed your dynamic of, you know, just having that. And you still had the, well, you still needed living. the boxes. You still need a VCR or DVD player. Yeah, but your living on. space has got bigger. Bigger, yeah. Because you didn't have a big box against yeah, the wall. Yeah, the big, and it became more efficient, actually, less of a draw on, on power. And nowadays, 700 bucks. Yep. <laughs> you got the size of a theater, one of those multiplexes in your house. Someone told me they have a little house and they got a 70 inch television. They said, How far was your uh, sofa from it? She goes, Five feet. I know, but. I well, think like I think you have to have the distance has to be equal to the size of the screen for comfortable viewing. It's like sitting up on that in a movie theater in the front row. Saying, front row, man. You got your fucking neck looking up. Uh, <laughs> it's shitty. Why do you even put Why do you put seats up there and say there, there has to be some guy with a conscious say, "Fuck this, I'm never gonna." I'm never going to put my theater uh, customers through this. I'm just going to put it back 30 feet from this, and it, every seat in the house will be good. And then you have the ones that want to sit in the back, in the center, and the side. You know, but if you have a side, I remember as a kid, they didn't really think about it much. These old, big old movie theaters, they were right up on the screen. It's a shitty seat in the house. You, they never felt. I mean, you get some asshole kids that sit up there, but. They sit. You, if you sit all the way on one side in the front, that is one crappy uh, movie experience. You're old enough to know. Uh -huh. You're my age. Yeah. When was your first time you went to drive drive-in movie? My first one 
I don't even remember. I think it was like five years old. I remember seeing it, it was, uh, I, I'm sure I went before, but I, th I think they waited until we were like five and six and seven because, you know, kids are a pain in the ass taking movies. But we saw those, there were a bunch of motorcycle flicks and stuff like that. There was a, not, we didn't see Easy Rider because that was more adult, but um, we did see, uh, there were ones like these guys who were Vietnam guys coming back, uh, veterans are coming back from Vietnam and, you know, the uh, motorcycle gangs terrorizing their girls and they go out after them and stuff like that. I remember seeing a movie like that. And then when I was uh, about 12 to 13, Jaws came out and that was it. I saw Jaws. On a drive-in movie theater. Well, let me tell you we about had an Jaws. egg roll, uh, a cheeseburger, and stuff. That was the best experience. What were you going to say? Well, when I seen Jaws, it was my first movie in the drive-in. Oh, it was? Oh, was it, it up in I, Homestead? Yes, in Homestead. Then it was a flea market was when it, during the day and driving at night. But oh, that's a, that's a good way to... Yeah, but I was watching a movie in the back of a Ford with yeah. my girlfriend. And I guess I was about 10. Yeah. With your girlfriend? Yeah. Her mom drove us up there. Hey, listen. We're going to take a break right now. I'm going to get into that. It's funny. We're talking about that. It's going, you bastard. Whether you're one of our regular visitors to the Florida Keys or you can't wait to visit for the first time, you'll want to stay up to date on everything that's going on in the Florida Keys. To learn all the secrets, tips, and the stuff we don't talk about to anyone but each other, visit 43keys.com. Sign up for our newsletter and never miss any of the exciting things we have planned for you. That's 43keys, the number four, the number three, keys.com. Hey, this is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming back. We were just, uh, I'm here with Keith McKenick and a good customer of ours at uh, The Catch, and we were talking about movie theaters and oh, no, going to the drive-in movie theater, and you went up to Homestead to see Jaws with your girlfriend at 10. Uh, that opens a whole bunch of... Um, it was a funny thing about drive-ins. We talked about that before. My mom almost took us to see... Uh, she thought she was taking us to Flash Gordon. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. she was thinking, uh, ready yeah. to take us in. We were driving through up to the ticket booth and in the car, and the guy looks and he goes, what are you taking these kids here? This is Flesh Gordon. And my mom wasn't really paying attention and stuff like that. And at that time, they were in the late 70s, let's say 76, 77, 78, the transition for some of these movies, uh, old, uh, because they started making... Um, the sound improvements they had sense around when they had the movies what that movie uh, earthquake midway um towering inferno and they just put extra speakers with a heavy bass and you'd feel it you know when you do it and they tried to do that i think they tried to do it in the 50s and 60s where they they put vibrating things on their seat just to make enhancing experience the same thing with 3d glasses um but um that that movie flash going a lot of these Driving movie theaters, especially when it was high school, they started converting them even more and more, and then it became adult ones, uh, you know, hard R, soft X, not super filthy, you know, but pretty much. And then people going to the driving th movie theater, and you know, sometimes they may come with a uh, a girl, but mostly someone by themselves. I guess it's better than going to 
uh, one of those, they had these movie theaters in Philadelphia, and you knew, just like they show it uh, on TV, um, guys go, if you're in a movie theater watching a porn, you can, at that moment, there's something going on, and get people don't normally stay for, they nor, making a, a theatrical release of a movie, uh, a porn movie, because it's mainly for just jerking off, the, um, I can imagine if they had cloth seats, what that would be like, how disgusting that would be. I mean, that's one of the things that you have the plastic, she- uh, like you see in those uh, old ladies used to put on their uh, sofas. As long as I didn't that. have to clean it. Oh, my God. That what about be- Pee Wee Herman? Well, that's exactly what would happen. But if you go in there, a lot of times there's some people that watch and maybe they got photographic memories. And, well, I'm going to remember this until later on and I'll go home and. I'm going to take care of things. But um, I digress. So it's funny, and we're going to start talking about how we met and some of the funny things in a, a restaurant. But you mentioned you had a girlfriend when you were 10. And uh, if listeners heard before, I'm going to tell them the story about that comment you made about one of your former one. And he started saying uh, to me, what was it? Your ex-Cuban girlfriend. And I said, you know... The order where you put the X in it, you could say my Cuban ex-girlfriend or my ex-girlfriend who's Cuban, uh, my Cuban-American ex-girlfriend. But ex-Cuban, it's probably true in two ways because she was a Cuban ma- national. Now probably she's American, right? Yes. Okay, so she is an ex-Cuban yeah, national. She came, she came so, over. And, and if you say it that way, you're hiding, um, you're hiding the possibility that that may not always be the same thing. So may, I, after putting much thought into it, I realized, uh, and it could have mean that she is no more too. That's a bad one too. That's the worst case scenario. When you say the ex-mechanic, meaning he's, he's, is he dead or he's not a mechanic anymore? Or, you know, no, it's just my friend, my ex-mechanic friend, stuff like that. So... Yeah, you have a lot. And that's when I asked you that question. The reason we brought a reminder is I said, so you're from the Keys. And we go, you're a Keys person. And you said, I was raised in the Keys. And I go, well, I didn't, being a baby in the Keys doesn't change what you are. I think your formative years for a Keys kid is when you start going on the water and stuff like really doing it around four, five. And some kids go, so oh, three years old, I was doing this shit. Like, okay, whatever. You really don't know until you start remembering those things. And that's what your formative years are, the shit you do, like uh, down here. And everyone, comp- uh, they, you always hear comments about uh, Key's kids, like they're, they're exposed. Because there's a big drinking culture down there, isn't it? That's what they come here for, drinking and fishing. Yeah, yeah, that's your idea, you know, what a, a, a drinking town with a fishing problem, right? Problem. Yeah, so... Uh, I came, well, you know what, I'm not, I'm not making light of that because when I came down here, it's funny, we were talking, I'm playing, Alexa, turn down the volume. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I was playing meditation music in the background. So when I first came down here, we discussed um, uh, something about meditation. Keith does meditation when he wakes up in the middle of the night. You did it before, right? Yeah, I always do it. What kind of, what do you do, guided meditations? or Guided you just do, sleep meditation. Guided sleep meditation. Do you ever try something? Okay. That's something, you know, you know, it's funny when it comes, it's not as weird as someone may think that a mechanic would be in the meditations because 
there was a um, what was the name of the book in the movie? The Art of Zen and Motorcycle mecha- uh, Mechanics or something like that. Motorcycle repair. And it's um, it would make sense that certain jobs that have you know cer- certain knowledge and you have to clear your mind, you have to think about solutions and things like that. But you we, you mentioned that you went to a local place or a local meeting uh, place for one of these twelve uh, step programs has a uh, a weekly meditation meeting. And I used to, I was in AA for seven years, and I told you originally when I came down here, one of the reasons I had a dream of that here here's a place that no one's going to judge me. No, they can't. They can't judge. No, I'm at the Keys no. because there's so many of them, and even from every step of society, in, unless you get to the, even some of the religious ones. Even the people, the um, religious people, says it's so much drinking and stuff like that. From you know, if you go into Alabama stuff like that, you know the hardcore Baptists, you don't see them drink that much, or the Jewish people, or um, I, I was going to say Catholic, but Catholics drinkers, Catholics drinkers. We have we have wine, wine. in this <laughs> ceremony. So I mean, I'm surprised they didn't introduce the bourbon. This is, you know, well, that'd be good. Drink thing. the bourbon, yeah. You know, we we have Keith is a bourbon drinker, which we're going to approach that. And we got it. Yeah, look at this. Only well, thirty minutes into it, uh, but we went to the same meditation. Uh, not at the same time. And I, I was one of the leads, medita- uh, meditation leads. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm not that calm a person to do that, but I try to get into that. I think my voice, I have to watch out for those things. Actually, this is how, I would, how would I talk? I would say, listen, to, you know, breathe in deeply through your nose. And slowly out through your mouth. You know, think of calming, think your heart rate slowing down, things like that. And you say all these things, you turn down the lights, you put up like, some candles, you know, you play play some music in the background. You have a guided meditation. You used to have a I think it's called a Tongan meditation. You ever hear that one? Yep. That's just a little bell. Right. And you, you move every time you hear a bell, you move to a different power center. Hey people, you know, if it works in all sorts of things. There's meditation, there's saying the rosary. Yeah. In the Catholic Church, they used to have that. They used to have novenas. That's meditative. The nuns and the uh, monks did those uh, things. That's what. They, that's meditation. They used to, those chants they do. The Gregorian chants are meditative. If you played one of those, you could you could meditate to that. And there's Buddhism and Hindu and uh, uh, Jewish mysticism and things like that. But we, I'm digressing again. We got to talk how you met. You met. We met in the bar. You didn't. You didn't know me until I started working at the catch. Correct. I know I'm a hard nut to crack when I first come in here, and I rarely ask. I never ask anybody this. The first time you met me, what was your impression? No, I got. I get along with everybody. You know that. Mm-hmm. But you have to size someone up when they come in here and say like yeah. this. Right? I'm a big mouth, right? No, you try and joke. What? You try and make jokes. Okay. I'm kind of the same way you know that. Yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. So it was never a problem. Keith is the one that um, put in, uh, when I came in, he brought the uh, Corona uh, shirt in. Something, is my dog around there? No. Oh, I thought you were looking over my shoulder. I thought no. something was going on. So um, he'd look in the window, see what shirt I'm wearing and stuff like that and put it on. And it was kind of funny because he gave me a shirt. I One night, day I was working, I had a filthy shirt on. He gave me one of his Corona shirts and I put it on. Uh, I appreciate that. But 
Um, you're never there that for the really crazy. You've seen some, any of the craziness that I've interacted with people and stuff mm, like that? No, I'm always in and out. Yeah, you're in and out. You come in there for your yeah, bourbon for, and things yeah, like that. Home. Speaking of bourbon, uh, on Thursday, I told Keith this. I'm going down to talk to the uh, distiller. And this will be this show will be released after I go down. I think I'm going to record one and do a live one down there. I hope. I don't. You know what? I got to be really careful because um, I think I'm going to try to. I'm going to record it. I'm going to record it. There's no really. There's no really benefit doing that because if I miss doing uh, the live one, if it fails, then you lose the whole recording. So I don't think we have to do it. It's not one of those things. Only, the only time I really have to do it live if we're down there on Fantasy Fest, I want to do it, and New Year's Eve. Do a live stream. That'd be good. Yeah. I think. You could come down with me. That'd be fun. You could sit there and talk and... and uh, We'll have you, uh, I'll write down pickup lines that you could try on the, uh, for women when they come up, and I'll just write them down, and uh, you can just say something to them. You know, I'll be down for that. Yeah, I know. And just see, and uh, so, um, you, do you go down to Key West a lot? Been here twice in my life. Let me soak that in for a little while right here. You lived in the Keys for over 50 years. Correct. And you've been to Key West twice in your lifetime. That is correct. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. That's twice in your life. You've never been to Fantasy Fest. Well, I've never been to Fantasy Fest either. Though, you know what? I've been down here 12 years. I've been down there maybe 15 times. But I guess that's, if you stretch that over, you know, Four times that much, that'd be like 48, if you've been down there 48 times. So I'm going to try, and it's next year, to get there down there once a month. And that's the goal of this show here. And we get to meet interesting people like you um, down here and what you see. The, the, um, as a mechanic, I tell bartending stories. Can you tell me one time a weird story about someone coming in, something weird happened to a car, they did something to it? Or, or, or a repair of something that was kind of bizarre. The what? The most bizarre repair. The most bizarre customer. The most, you know, what? Most bizarre request you had. I have a few. Can you can you tell me about one? But the most things down here are the the rats eating, eating up the wiring harnesses in cars. Uh huh. And we had a few to come in, and I had a helper. Yeah. And there was a rat. Bunch of rats dead in in the AC blower motor. Yeah. So I pull it out and it he, smelled like hell. It did. It did. Uh huh. So I made him get out, get the rats out, and he grabbed him with his hand and was walking across the shop holding it by its tail. Yeah. Oh man. Instead of putting gloves on. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what. Any um, getting any interesting customers? Any we famous? No, we get some important people in. You, you don't have to say who they are. What, what, what field are they in? Well, they're millionaires. They come in with expensive cars. I'll show you pictures from time to time. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Some of the stuff I work on. Yeah? Like uh, what, what kind of car? Like uh, Maserati? Yeah, Jaguars, Ferraris. 
that's an interesting car to have down here because of the nature of some of the parking lots. Because a lot of the parking lots are uh, gravel, P-Rock. And there used to be a guy who came down here. Uh, I don't know if he was friends with He used to get every other month. He had a different luxury vehicle. He had an Aston Martin, Maserati, nice Porsche, uh, Lamborghini, you know, you name it, he's had it. I, the closest I got to ride, I drove a, an Esprit. I loaded Esprit when I worked at a dealership. And I, I uh, they were going to give it to me for uh, a month. And I handed it back in three days because it was so small. I mean, it was it was built, I, they said, you're, if you're over six feet, you're going to be uncomfortable in it. Why the fuck would you even build a car like that? I understand it, but I mean, it was a, it was pretty cool, and it was a tiny engine in there, right? Yeah, it was a small small engine. Yeah, but it, but was, it was quick. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you knew about the uh, what was it? Quad four. The quad four was that General Motors one. They made a good one, stuff like that. What is it about? Um, but is it is it is it that the engine gets worn down? Faster with four cylinders, or does it matter because you had to fire the cylinder more to develop more power and create greater compression? On that, it's mostly the maintenance. If you don't keep the maintenance up, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, because the quad four had the head gasket problem. Oh yeah. Oh, the pressure. Yeah, build up a lot of pressure, especially right. when it's small, small. Uh, and there's a, a twin cam. Hmm. And they'd always blow the head gaskets. Yeah. So, how about the rotary engine? You do a lot of that? We don't do none of that. No? They ain't around that much anymore. Yeah, what would that used to be? A, what car? That used to be in the Mazda. The Mazda, the rotary? Yeah. Wankel. Wankel yeah. invented Wankel. the rotary. Yeah. I know, that, you know where I got know that from? Where's that? Because of the movie you watched, uh, My Blue Heaven, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. I knew, and, that, I knew that when I was in college. I had to learn that. Oh, yeah? The rotary and. Okay, they came up with a lot of weird things. Uh, oh, the weirdest engine was the eight six four, or was it the four six eight? The four so, six eight. Yeah. Now to explain the concept, there it was General Motors. Correct. They used it on their top of the line Cadillac. Cadillacs. I don't know if they did it on the Caprice. Oldsmobile. Oldsmobile on the Caprice, maybe. Yes. And the idea was that when you need a lot of power, it would be eight cylinders running. When you get cruising speed, you'd be six, uh, uh, six cylinders. And if you're like in the city, just you'd be four cylinders. Four cylinders. How'd that work out? Not very well. They had a lot of problems with it, issues with it. Yeah, because you, I mean, with computers, I guess you could do it because you could make. Well, that's what they were doing it with. No, but you had better computers now oh, because no, you'd have to, yeah. you'd have to randomize, you'd have to randomize this to make sure that they don't. The pistons the, don't get worn more, right? Well, they had to randomize it to keep the balance of the motor to be smooth. Yeah. Because if you had two pistons firing at the same time, it wouldn't be very smooth. No. You know. But now like Ford has, they have a deal where if your car gets hot, yeah. it could off four cylinders. So it don't overheat. What? if The Ford pickup trucks yeah. have a system where if you, your engine's getting hot, yeah. it'll take four cylinders out. One bank of cylinders, so it won't overheat on you. It's called heat protection. Well, 
wouldn't that make the other four cylinders have to work harder when you demand more power out of less? Uh... Yes, but the, the four cylinders that ain't firing mm-hmm. starts reducing heat because oh. they're just sucking air in. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh. So it's you're cooling adding it to off. the cu- cooling process instead of the cumulative effect of all Correct. the cylinder heads building up heat. Okay. Correct. Well, that's shit. There's so much I didn't know. I, I tell you my experience with that. I think there was a trauma of being a youth one time when uh, I told I'm not going to talk about the putting on a fender and bumper on my uh, Levi edition 1980 uh, AMC Hornet or the. Uh, AMC Rebel that I drove from uh, South Jersey, deep South Jersey, to Central Jersey through the Pine Barrens in a in a thunderstorm at night, and it was a piece of shit. And was a shift on the uh, on the column, and that's the worst. I always had a hard time with shift on the column when it was. I'm not automatically. You know, I mean, I'm Three talking speed. about. Manual three speed. Manual three speed on there. I always had a problem with that. I could do, I could do regular work, regular gear shift, but I mean, the first time I did that, I I did it on a VW. VW is one to learn on, right? Yep. Yep. It was simple. It's a what's an H? I guess you call it H with that right, and just feel I could up just and up now and then when you go to reverse, you push it down and pull it down, and that was that was they those Germans. They, they, they're nasty with the Holocaust and, and genocide, but they're really good with that engineering shit. Yeah, they do all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, listen, we're at the end of the show right here. I want to um, thank you for coming in, Keith. I wanted to introduce you since you're one, you've been a loyal listener, and I appreciate that, and a good friend. And uh, I wish you all the best and probably have you on. You're going to be more comfortable next. I want to probably get you so you don't have to do that thing with the mic. And stuff. When I say that thing with the mic, it sounds like a weird thing that you're doing. <laughs> he's shoving it up his ass. No, he's not shoving it. He's he's holding it, and he's had shoulder damage from being a mechanic. And you could do some Reiki healing on or something like that. We could heal that shoulder. We'll do for something. You. Yeah. So uh, I had a problem with shoulders uh, about four months ago, right before I went to Poland, and I had it was it was a bitch, but it's it's all healed up now and stuff like that. I don't know what it was. I think it was tendon damage. Well. Uh, we're at the end of our time. I want to thank Keith for being here. I said that already. I want to uh, thank the Catch uh, Restaurant for employing me. That's important. It wasn't for them. I don't think I'd have the podcast. Uh, and, oh, I guess later today I'll talk about my, uh, in the next episode, I'll be talking about my endeavors in the publishing world right there. And uh, pornography. No, not in pornography. Animal porn. No, not animal porn. But listen, if you do like the show and you enjoy us, uh, Become a subscriber. Share it with your friends. Uh, maybe uh, stay, you know, it's, it's not, we're not as filthy as we were in the beginning. You sat in there. It got kind of gratuitously filthy. A little bit. Yeah. And you, and you uh, being a working man yourself, you're not, you're not filthy and thing. You tell, you tell R-rated jokes, but you don't, it doesn't get really, you know, you're not filthy. No. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't think I'm filthy either. I just throw it in. I'm sort of jerking off and all that stuff. I will. I can work out of a adult store. I have no problem doing that. I really don't. I mean, you say working, doing a podcast from there, and um, if we did do one, and if you were there, I'd have you ask the questions. You get in trouble then. No, 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 no. I'd have. I what I do is I put out a sign, say only come up to us if you want to talk on the podcast, so we can ask you some questions. 
then I would pick the people you would talk to. That'd be all right. I think I think I'd pick the right people. I have a feeling that if you if there was a very attractive woman, I think you'd be nervous. No. I think, okay, I'm, just guessing. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I think you might be nervous. You're kind of a shy guy sometimes. No, no, not really. But you know, you gotta. Sometimes it takes a a soft approach with certain people. Right. No. The, uh, the other night we had these these girls come in. These they're nightclub gowns. With the, you know, they had good-looking guys too. The guys were good-looking too. I, I'm easy, man. I can say they're young, yeah. young people. They were from the ages of 22 to 25, and the girls were just stunning. And they came in and they said, "Hey, where's the good?" I didn't go like that. Hey, um, but they said, "Hey, uh, hey, can uh, where's a good nightclub around here? We want to go clubbing tonight." You're in the upper keys. You want to go clubbing? I went and, <laughs> and, and you know, they didn't. <laughs> I, I was ready to say there's nothing really they could do. So I said, oh, you should go out and have a couple of drinks and then go to the Caribbean Club around 11 o'clock. <laughs> and this was on, was it last night or Sunday night? It was Sunday night. So that oh, could have been last night. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it's an age thing. Look at this. We're in 45 minutes. Keith, say goodbye. Thanks for having me, Jim. Okay. You're welcome, buddy. Talk to you later, people. 